So this is Tefan episode number 60 and next week hopefully by the time you hear this one I think we're celebrating our anniversary or something. When was it? 2016 May May oh, wow. something we started our first episode. I don't know I'm, to be honest I recently forgot my wife's and my wedding anniversary. <laughs> so you know remembering Tefan's anniversary is definitely going to get me in trouble you know. <laughs> the good thing was The good thing was that she forgot the anniversary as well. So we were kind oh, of really? <laughs> You got you got lucky. <laughs> she found yeah. she remembered first though, which is annoying. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> It was the day after though. It was the day after, so yeah. Oh man. That's a sign of us how, getting old maybe. How many years uh Ray? I think we've been married for 26 years now actually. 26. Oh wow. So Okay. It wasn't as important as the last one, you know, the 25. So. <laughs> yeah. Some some arbitrary number that is way more important. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Than the other number. <laughs> well, it's divided by 5, so obviously it's more religiously significant and, you know, just generally better. So shut up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know what your religious beliefs are, but okay. Anyway, coming back to um, I'm a believer in uh, random number generation, you know, and that's uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, uh, welcome to Defen uh, anniversary edition. Um <laughs> I think we are uh, I think when when we were talking about this I think uh, Walter was commenting are we aging like dogs in in terms of podcasts and so probably we are 21 or something now. Anyway, but uh, I think the nicest part is that we have an amazing guest coming back again um from our when was it? I think 24th episode and then now it is 60th one. Yeah. I don't care. Okay. Uh welcome to the episode David. It's good to have you back again. Hi, it's good to be back again. Yes. <laughs> so, uh what is cooking in the closure script land or how are you doing? Ah, uh, we're maybe doing we good. Go, how I mean, are you doing? How how are you do, how are you doing first maybe is because you know it's like uh, okay, yeah, we're living okay. in some strange times here, you know. <laughs> uh I'm doing okay. I'm you know trying just like everybody else um trying to stay safe, quarantining, you know. You know, trying to follow the guidelines uh and uh in spite of all the uh, craziness at the higher levels of the American government as uh, we're all aware um yeah but yeah yeah it's 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 been good I've, i've been as with some other people been lucky i still have work and um i'm still able to actually because of because of the quarantining i actually have uh the past couple months i've had a lot more time actually to sort of free time to direct mm. towards closure script so that's good so i think uh, there is some new happenings around the closure script land right first of all i think you know cognitech started sponsoring so i think a big shout out to them i think that's uh, that's the latest news from cognitech and from closure script land yeah that was cool i mean no. you know as a like, closure script's not it's not young anymore you know like <laughs> yeah Closure script is 3 years younger than closure, right? So closure appeared in 2000 or oh, maybe 4 actually. Yeah, 4 because I think closure yeah. appeared in 2007. Closure script appeared in 2011. And um 11. So yeah, mm. closure's been around for 13 years, right? Is that right? 13 wow. years. And closure script mm. in May or so, J- July, I guess it'll be 9 years. You know, so uh it was it was really just um you know, Mike Fikes and I have sort of become the de facto maintainers and we were uh you know, we spent a lot of time just managing 
tickets and going through issues, releases, website stuff. And, you know, it's not like, you know, it's, it's like any open source project. It's not our main gig. It's just something we do. Um, but, you know, after nine years, I was, you know, chatting with Mike and saying, you know, I think we should approach Cognitect, actually, or just write them an email saying, you know, we'd be interested in being, as other open source projects are, as sort of taking on sponsorship. And Cognitech was like, yeah. not only is that a great idea, and that makes perfect sense, but we, we're more than happy to be the first people to sort of announce support for that. So that was really actually, yeah. to be honest, unexpected. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, that's really nice on their part and generous. So that's it's a good start to, you know, just making sure that, you know, Mike and I, like Mike's been working on it for six years. I've been working on it for our nine. Just, you know, it's just... Um, a certain level of support to contribute to sustainability, which is a good thing. How is the support being uh, paid for, David? Is it via the GitHub stuff? So it's the GitHub sponsors. Is exactly right. So people just send people just send either Mike or uh, myself, you know, some amount of money. We have like we basically Rich Hickey did this sponsorship thing. I don't know, like last year or something, late last year, and we just we just modeled after him, which is that. You know, the basic idea is yeah. if you're a hobbyist or a contributor, what, pay whatever mm. you want. $1, $5, who says, really doesn't matter. It's, that's yeah. just yeah. a personal thing. It's really more yeah. about uh, companies, companies who have budgets who are already, you know, spending X amount of money on infrastructure and this and that. And um, if ClojureScript is a core part of their product, then send us 50 bucks a month or 25 bucks a month, whatever makes sense for the size of your company. You know? mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it's almost, I think, I mean, we can say decade, right? Almost, almost like a decade yeah. of uh, <laughs> of existence of ClojureScript. So, so uh, when you look back, you know, the beginning of the projects and then now, so how how do you see that? Uh, I mean, a lot. I mean, a lot of the change is it's it's has nothing really to do. In some sense, it has everything to do with ClojureScript in the end, because everybody's for people that are using it. But a lot of the changes are just around the fact that JavaScript changed, right? In 2011, mm. um, I mean, Node.js was only two years old, right? Maybe maybe it was three, but I think it was only two. So, yeah. um, and you couldn't really use Node for web development yet. I mean, there was mm. like weird things, but it wasn't that common. A lot of people were using this thing called Bower, which was like la- libraries yeah. that were packaged to be used from NPM, but you couldn't just use things from NPM. Anyways, it's just a different world. Um, I mean, at this mm. point, I would say, like, what's going to be installed on a machine that's up in the cloud? It's going to be Java or Node, right? It's like, I mean, yeah. every, yeah, yeah. like, all the cloud stuff is either Node or JVM stuff. So um, at this point, I think Node is essential technology. It's essential technology, and people really expect to build client oriented applications directly from NPM. And, um, you know, we sort of tried many things in this past release, uh, I think a week ago now, or maybe two weeks. I'm sorry, I can't really exactly remember because I've been mm. working on it for a bit. Um, <laughs> addresses that world, that reality, the reality that um, people need to be able to use stuff from NPM and it needs to be easy. Uh, it hasn't mm, really yeah. been easy. Um, it's, oh, it's, it's been possible, of course. There's many ways to... to to you know, uh, do it, but it's never been straightforward. And so, with the last mm-hmm. release, we have this new thing called the bundle target that finally yeah. is like anybody can make this work. And uh, 
the response has been very positive um, and people seem generally excited about it. So it's good. How do you contrast that with uh, things like Shadow CLJS and, and other efforts around uh, ClojureScript? So Shadow, Shadow, so Shadow, Shadow is a great project. It's, by, uh, it's mostly led by Thomas Heller. Uh, he's the maintainer yeah. of that project. I mean, he's been at that project for a long time now. It's basically a custom build tool. It, it simply um, takes the core parts of the compiler and it has its own build system. And it's long, mm. for a long time now, it's supported um, building things from node modules. Um, mm. But the thing is that you have, in order to do it, you have to use Shadow. So that without, yeah. without ClojureScript supporting it in a fundamental way, it meant that, okay, you can accomplish said goal with Shadow by itself, but you could never, for example, build a ClojureScript project that depends on a node module that can be used from any any ClojureScript build tool, right? There was like think about mm. think about Clojure. With Clojure, I can say my Clojure library has a dependency on these Java libraries, and nobody that writes Clojure cares about this problem. Like you don't care yeah. that this library depends on five Java libs. You know it's going to work, and that's it's that yeah. for I mean basically for a very long time that's not been true for ClojureScript, and really. Shadow didn't couldn't really address that problem because if it's not addressed at the bottom, it's not really addressed at all, right? You can build applications, mm. but you can't really distribute libraries unless everybody's building with Shadow. And so right. yeah. doing the bundle target, you can you can build with anything. You could build with line CLJS build, you can build with FigWheel, you can build with Shadow, you mm. can build with ClojureScript by itself. Um, any mm. any ClojureScript tool can handle um, the bundle target because it's in, it's at the bottom. So it's more pushing it to the to the code level rather than just having another another layer. Yeah, and there's and again there's there's benefits. Uh, I mean, uh, as Ray knows, you know, full disclosure, I work with Ray. I'm a co I'm Ray's coworker, right? <laughs> so we work together at Vouch. And um, yeah, I think my, know, my sympathies, to, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> coming coming onto Vouch was like you know they were keep they were it doing professional so, feature, yeah. <laughs> it's, we, what the fuck? I mean, just because we we just crossed four years, we're supposed to be professional now. Yeah, yeah. Oh um, man, never never tell him you work with me, David. Jesus, you know it's like yeah. But uh, so Sorry, go ahead, but, yeah. So at Vouch, they were they were leaning heavily on on Node on Node, and they were doing hmm. a lot of React Native stuff. And actually, yeah. I you know I was at Cognitech for four years, and the Cognitech work was very interesting. It was really great. But actually, you know, um, we, I never had the opportunity to work on things that were not purely browser stuff. And mm. that's only unfortunate, not for Cognitech, but it's unfortunate as the maintainer of ClojureScript that it was hard for me to see the pain around Node or the pain around React Native yeah, yeah. or Node modules. And working at Vouch for the past year, it's like been like, Oh man, <laughs> this stuff needs <laughs> this stuff needs fixing fast. I mean, I, I really know in the in the time I've been at Vouch, um, a, a large number of fixes around using Node as a target, and of course now yeah. uh, using Node modules. These are directly correlated to me seeing um, the pain points from the point of view of somebody who has to use this stuff every day for that particular use case. Mm. So, do you think now Closure Script is more or less becoming uh, 
like a competitor to closure in terms of the whole stack development because closure you can't do front end anyway right so closure script started as mostly as the front end thing and then slowly seeping into the into the code and code back end which is node driven stuff so closure script can become like whole stack language or I mean, it, I mean, it could, I mean, it could, but the thing is, I mean, I, I, I constantly, I, my theory has always been what happens is, is always like, I feel like this is what happens. Like people who are like doing JavaScript stuff, they dabble in ClojureScript and they're like, yeah. man, this is, this is, this is cool. And then they like start dabbling with Clojure. It's like, oh, it's just like ClojureScript, but I have real threads, real concurrency constructs. <laughs> <laughs> And, yep, and, yep. and to be honest, um, I, I, th- I actually think node and node tooling has surpassed Java in complexity. Like, it's not like I love, I mean, let's be completely honest. It's not that I love Java, <laughs> yeah. but you, can, uh, you cannot claim with a straight face that node is simpler than Java. Um, yeah. I, find, I find a lot of the tooling and the documentation, um, to be just as obtuse as anything from Java, and in many cases, worse. So mm. my feeling is that ClojureScript ideally is a way for people to do full-stack closure ClojureScript. Not, I mean, you can do full-stack ClojureScript if you want, but I just think you, yeah. you eventually will say, why not just use Clojure and then use it? It's like, I get to do all these things I can't do in a single-threaded runtime. And of course, you can still do, you know, this is the thing about Java people, right? Java people realize, it's not, it's not, it's not async versus threads. I mean, that was always yeah. like, that was always like a, um, a kind of a false argument. Um, in Java, especially modern Java, you can combine multi-threading and asynchronous programming. It's not an, it's not an either or thing. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. at Vouch, I think we, we, you know, we use node when it makes sense where the Java just isn't going to work for us, but JVM, you know, is what I mean. But uh, most of our backend services mm-hmm. are in, with the JVM and, you know, I think we're okay with that. Yeah, and I think also the ecosystem on Node is like, it used to be quite simple, um, you know, but now Node itself is getting fragmented and complicated. Like you have NPM and you have Yarn and you have other things, you know, that that make it sort of, it, it makes you, com- it makes it the whole thing complicated. Um, and I think also, to be honest, I don't think the closure script story on the, the node backend is very good at the moment. You know, there's not a lot yeah. of libraries that actually integrate no. directly with, you know, Express or something like that. I think there's, mm. what is it called? Macchiato? Yeah, yeah there, there is what Macchiato, is and that seems... It's a test framework, right? No, no, no. Macchiato saying this, is it's like a good a... library. You know? mm-hmm. No, no. Macchiato, I thought, was a wrapper. It's like a lightweight web server thing. Oh, yeah, no, that's okay. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So there's there's not many there's not much uh, there aren't many games in town on the server side for Node.js with ClojureScript is what I mean. Yeah, that ecosystem isn't you know very big. It's not very big, and again, it's my it's again this is back to my impression that, um, I mean, there are other reasons for this too, right? Serverless is getting bigger, right? I feel like if you're doing a yeah. lightweight thing. You're probably going serverless anyway. There's a lot of services to directly deploy these node applications to the, like you can build a serverless node thing and it's like, it's becoming trivial. So I think there are many reasons why you're not seeing a lot of the, um, of the affordances 
or things that we're used to in the closure and JVM world. But again, it's 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 really my opinion that um, um, that this that it just hasn't remained a very big thing. And and the surveys, the survey really reflects this. The survey, it's still like eighty mm. percent of users are using ClojureScript for web stuff. You know, yeah. so that's front end front end web stuff. One of the things that interests me, David, and something that we've looked at at work as well, but not to get too detailed into work, but is the is the CLJC stuff. That's something which is, you know, I see that coming more and more in a lot of libraries and a lot of you know the ecosystem where, like to your point, VJ, you know, where the closure and closure script stuff. If if you use CLJC, it's becoming a little bit easier to kind of. Cross the boundary a little bit. I don't know how you feel about that, David. No, I, th I, th I don't. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, the CLJC, it's like a, it's a massive time saver, right? There's many cases mm. you're building business logic. You need, you need to do something with buffers. You need. You know, there's just so many cases where you need the same logic on both the client and the server. And the fact that people are um, taking the time to build CLJC libraries really proves that a everybody needs this everybody has this problem and that yeah. library designers are doing the right thing and providing these libraries in two format like in one file is two formats i think it's great i mean i think that was what we expected would happen and it's really nice to see um especially the more mature libraries do cljc and then it's really paint it's really yeah. it's not much effort for the user to use something that works in both places. I think it's it's just a net win. Do you think the ClojureScript stuff that you've changed recently helps that as well? No, not really, because I mean, the, the bundle stuff is really, it's really just about, I just want to be able to use, like, let, let, let's actually state one more thing, that because this is, we, we sort of glossed over something um, right. about the bundle target, which is that what the bundle target really lets you do, it lets you take any, JavaScript-based tool that will build for the web, it doesn't really matter if it's Webpack. There are many competing tools that do this. They all work the same way. They resolve the require, like require is a statement in Node that lets you import a library. They all take the require statements mm -hmm. and then produce a single concatenated JavaScript file. That's effectively what they do, right? So every time you have a require, instead of that being a dynamic require in the Node runtime, it's going to be a static require in the bundled thing that gets loaded on a web page. Now, mm. that's that's how it works. But what what's happened is that what do, what are users actually doing? Users are are making libraries that are written in ES six. They're written in um, with advanced features which may or may not be in the browser. Right? They may be yeah. importing style sheets. They may be importing images. There's all these yeah. statements in the JavaScript files that you're importing that we mm. can't possibly process. Like we can't process this stuff. Mm. It's like we're not going to take, you know, five years of our time trying to understand every possible pattern that exists in a JavaScript mm. library. But the bundle target just gets rid of that problem. What we what we say is there are too many practices in place, too many idioms that we can't possibly handle. So what we do is we say. We're in our simple, immutable, functional world. The thing that we produce can then be fed into the bundler, and the bundler can handle all this other stuff that we never want to. We never want to see that stuff. We never want to have to think about mm -hmm. it. Uh, it's very much this 
closure strategy of let's have our simple core, which is our code that we generated, we compiled in JavaScript, let something else deal with all this other stuff. We're not going to do anything. Um, uh, hmm. And again, it's, it's, it's because it's, it's become impractical. Webpack and these other build tools, they just have to handle too many cases. Uh, and we're just not, hmm. we don't have the time. I mean, simply, we don't have the time and the sort of, yeah. man, you know, uh, people power to make that work. So um, yeah. it's just logical to, you know, pass the yeah. pass the buck on to, 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 to yeah. the tools that can handle it. <laughs> yeah, especially the the, na the native dependencies where you're like compiling into oh. libuv and stuff like this. This is uh, crazy. Yeah, how, how would you deal with that? You know, can't deal with that stuff. And and again, the um um, I mean, you know, something that's never been. I haven't had time to talk about it, but a lot of the reasons we ended up here. Was because again because of work I was doing at Vouch, um, we were using mm. Rene Tall, mm. and uh, yeah. Rene Tall is a really great tool. It's been out for I mean four or five. It's almost I feel like shortly after React Native appeared, maybe it was six eight months. So yeah, it's been out yeah. for a while. Yeah. yeah, I think four years. Um, and we we use it to build our mobile app, and Rene mm. Tall is a great tool. It solves the problem, but there are many things about it that were like unidiomatic for a closure script for a closure or closure script user. I mean, a the tool itself is written in CoffeeScript, which is a bit strange if you know for contribution because most closure closure script people they maybe they some of some of them are not even JavaScript experts, right? They're mostly closure experts. Yeah. They know enough JavaScript to get the job done, but then I mean, an even smaller population knows CoffeeScript, so it was a bit <clears throat> the code base is a bit unidiomatic, and also it was built on as a line plugin, which makes it hard now that. At least at Vouch, we moved to Depths Eden. And then finally, mm. the API was definitely like not very closure right? Because it was a sort of stateful API. You had to like issue stateful commands. It was easy to be like, am I working on Android or am I working with FigWheel? Like there are all these things you had to do. And um, uh, I, you know, talked to the team at Vouch and said, you know, I think in like basically a four or five weeks time, I can make a thing that does what Rene Tal does. And it will fit mm. much better with our um, workflow. Um, but I, before we talk about that, which we can talk about in a second, <clears throat> when I started doing that, I was like, wait a second, I'm solving this other problem, which is the Webpack bundler problem. And I actually hit <laughs> yeah. the brakes. I hit the brakes. It actually solved all the parts. And I spent a couple days to port the essential critical components over to ClojureScript so that everybody could use it. Um, mm. And in fact, the tool that I built, which is called Krell, actually uses the basically uses the bundle target. So, so this is this is the other reason why it's big. It it, it was shows you that it's not about Webpack, it's not about Metro, which is the React Native mm -hmm. thing. It's literally about the entire universe of bundlers that can handle Node modules. Any any mm -hmm. sort of Node style bundler can use our output, and that's 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 yeah. really looking into the future because we don't really know if it's going to be webpack or foo pack right who knows Whatever. who knows yeah. like yeah. you know yeah. javascript is every every day it's something different so <laughs> we're just getting new. ourselves yeah. out of that yeah. game being like we know node's not going to go anywhere anytime soon so whatever mm. flavor mm. of bundler cool our thing is not it's not about webpack it's not about metro it can it it's mm. just prepared to allow you to apply any bundler that you want so uh, Tell us more about the, the the tool that you're talking about. 
Quill. Yeah, so so Krell, Krell is it's it's um, Krell? it's yeah. yeah, it's Krell. Maybe you should uh, enunciate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Krell. Yeah, that's K R E L L, like Krell. It's the uh, okay. It's the, it's yeah. the alien. It's like the uh, long lost alien race from the movie The Forbidden Planet. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, <Obviously>. yes. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, it's a play on words. It's because, very clear. Because you know, React Native, it's kind of like, you know, React Native is like this native thing. And I was like, yeah, we're going to make this alien list thing and, and stick it inside of your native thing. And, you know, it's also <laughs> like, you know, um, if you follow Lisp, there used to be this really great Lisp, Lisp is alien technology logo. So it's kind of a nod towards yeah, these yeah. older sort right, of Lisp right. alien stuff. Um, if you've ever looked at Conrad yeah. Barsky's books, Land of Lisp, oh, yeah, all these of aliens. Uh, Lisp aliens, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's 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 definitely <laughs> playing into that. Uh if you're a uh synthesis, modular synthesis nerd, there's also a famous modular synthesis patch called the Quell patch. But that patch is actually based off the Forbidden Planet. The people, there was mm. I can't remember their names. It's so sad. I should have memorized their names. The people that worked on the soundtrack, um, they would make these electronic circuits. And, and the soundtrack was mm. composed of multi-tracking these little circuits that would make these sounds and they would eventually burn out. So they were like life forms. Mm. This little circuit would <laughs> play this weird space alien sound and it would keep evolving and they would just run the tape and record as much of it as they could. And then the circuit would die. <laughs> it would just burn out and then they'd have to go melt or whatever. And they'd go make a new circuit and the new circle would make a weird, <laughs> crazy sound. And then they, they wow. edited the entire soundtrack from all these weird circuits that had this very like limited lifespan, but pu uh, produces beautiful, unpredictable patches. Uh, unpredictable sounds. <laughs> I think this is the... This is like the best pitch for a for a tool or a library in programming language. So, <laughs> it's nothing, nothing about what the tool does, but the entire history oh, yeah, yeah, is yeah. so important. <laughs> and then yeah. people are like, damn it, I have to use this one right now. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because it's from the Forbidden Alien, you know, auto-destroying yeah. thing that David yeah. said. I think maybe it's going to burn out all the circuits on people's computers. Is that your idea? <laughs> Oh, sorry, your computer Everywhere. melted. You know, <laughs> no, what you were warned. You know, <laughs> you have this um, end-user licensing agreement for Krell. Yeah. You know? <laughs> anyway, so, let's back yeah. onto onto the actual pitch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so it really is. So the the main idea is that um, um, I wanted it to be Depths Eden friendly, and by Depths mm. Eden friendly, I mean really it means it's friendly. You can use it with Linegen. You can use it with Boot. Can use it with anything. I mean, what if you're depth friendly? Yeah. You're you're really friendly with any any tool. Um, and the other thing is that I wanted it to be zero configuration, meaning that I didn't want to have to talk about Android versus iOS. There's a lot of stateful stuff around that. Um, I also just wanted to make yeah. a thing that had no <clears throat> almost no dependencies. Uh, Krell, mm. I think, only has two. We we use a open source directory watcher, which is fast um, on all platforms, including OS 10, which is uh, hard, mm -hmm. harder to find. So I wanted something that could build quickly on all platforms, the watcher anyway. And then mm -hmm. um, it just relies on ClojureScript. It has no dependencies. It doesn't use WebSockets. It doesn't use um, uh, TCP servers. So a lot of times with a lot of these tools, if they don't bundle in their own WebSocket implementation, then there's a conflict with Java stuff. Anyways, as you know, it's, it, mm. it becomes a hassle. Um, so 
Uh, Corel just uses a TCP socket to your device, and that's mm -hmm. it. And um, and it and it and it and it basically re-implements what Renatal did. Renatal used FigWheel, um, but FigWheel FigWheel actually is a largish library because it does a lot of things. Um, and yeah. I felt like actually a TCP socket based REPL is all you need for for developing React Native. You don't need all this web feature stuff. And so that's that's that's, mm -hmm. that's really how it works. Um, it means that there's not much code to read. There's not much to see. I mean, it's in total, in total, I think half the code is JavaScript to bootstrap and the other half is closure and closure script. I think it's 600 mm -hmm. lines of closure and closure script. There's 600 lines of wow. closure script and closure. Um, so it's quite tiny okay. and, um, it means that it's pretty easy to review. Um, you know, I'm of the opinion. I'm also the opinion that you make a thing and basically you want you, the goal as an open source maintainer is how can I make a thing that's done? How can I make something that's mm. just that you that you know you work on it for a year or maybe maybe a year total, and then you're like yeah. after that it's just maintenance. Like uh, ideally, yeah. actually for Krell, in the next month or two, um, there won't be any updates except for updates for React Native. Like that would be the mm. goal that that Krell is effectively done because what what is it what is it what is it? It's just a REPL. <laughs> Like, yeah. and, and I think, I think, um, tools like rebel, like rebel, and there's been some other cool, uh, REPL based experiments. I think there's yeah. the beautiful idea. If you really make a great REPL, adding meta features, adding auto completion, all this other stuff can be done as a second step. It doesn't need to be done yeah. in the core. Uh, and that's what I'm really trying to do. I want a very simple, um, zero configuration tool that gives us a REPL to React Native. And after that, mm -hmm. it's done. And I want it to be so simple that if you want to build a REPL thing or you want to build an inspector or you want to build, uh, you want to add REPL read line, that adding adding stuff to um, Krell should require a person to spend maybe a long afternoon reading the code base. That that's the maximum yeah. amount of time you should spend understanding how Krell works, and that's completely completely depends on Krell remaining remaining small and doing very little. One of the things that was a problem, if I remember rightly, though, David, was these updates of React Native. Yeah. So, but that's because with Rene Tall, Rene Tall was pinned. Rene Tall, you couldn't, mm. you had, you couldn't mm. just, you, because Rene Tall did a lot of code gen for you. The mm -hmm. code gen would produce the templates and set the versions, and it did a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which Krell just says no, because what happens is that uh, Renatal became stuck because you need you need the maintainer, if not the maintainer, somebody to step up as a maintainer to update Renatal to allow people to migrate, um, and that that requires mm -hmm. a lot of you know just a lot of work. And so with Krell, I, I basically said I didn't want us to take on that burden. So Krell has, says does not know anything about the React Native version. Um, you just have to maintain the React Native version yourself, which is which is actually a good thing. It's a good thing That's because awesome. now yeah. the now the problem is not in the tool. Every user is mm. free to upgrade React Native, and Krell may need minor changes, but um, because it, it because it doesn't depend too much on the React Native version. That should be pr fairly straightforward. I will say, I will mm. say though, as a word of caution to people that are interested in Krell, um, you really do need to update to the latest React Native. 
Um, Krell assumes that you're at least on the, the 0.60 version of React Native because that's when React Native solved the auto-linking problem, um, which is using native libraries in and with Android and iOS prior to auto-linking was terrible. I mean, you had to modify all your build files. You had to modify your source code. You had to modify linking Xcode. I mean, it was a complete and total nightmare uh, to use third-party mm. libraries that needed native support. It, it was just un, unusable. That's the only way to describe it, unusable. Um, uh, mm. React Native now does this thing called auto-linking, and people are doing this amazing thing, right? They're being like, um, I'm going to make a zero-conf library that uses Java zero-conf and iOS zero-conf, MDNS, whatever. Mm. That's a React Native library that automatically links in the native components that are needed for the JVM or for um, iOS. So that iOS. means the native integration story is way, 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 way simpler. Um, mm. uh, and I, th I just think that really you should upgrade anyway because, um, again, I, I think the way that it was done before was extremely hard to uh, maintain. So the, the native stuff... Uh, I'm I'm not sure if you uh, saw or followed uh, Flutter from Google. I do. I do follow Flutter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So then, then I'm I'm really curious about your your uh, impression of it because I, I recently got back, quote unquote, got back into into iOS development. I think I did something like ten years ago. I built a couple of apps in Objective C, and now I'm now learning Swift because I was never a fan of you know using these these. Uh, frameworks that is going to produce for both things, and I've never used React Native. So, how how do you compare React Native with Flutter? Uh, of course, there is a language difference, but other than that, so how do you see the see the com comparison there? I mean, I would say Flutter is a direct competitor, and to be honest, I think Flutter is probably in many in many. I mean, it needs to be assessed, but to be honest, my mm -hmm. initial impression it's probably um, a better solution in the long run. Um, so, mm. so something that happened with Flutter, which is actually pretty exciting, is that they started doing desktop support. So Flutter is now, now, now it's not yeah. only um, a way to do native stuff on the device, um, on Android and on iOS. And also, I, I wouldn't be surprised if performance is better, especially on Android, right? That's always a concern is how do you get really good mobile performance on Android? Yeah. But my impression is that um, it's quite good. All the things you expect from React Native exist. For example, hot code reloading works, um, even if yeah. you're um, untethered and all this stuff. So there are many pluses for Flutter. And now that they're getting serious about, slowly getting serious about desktop development, I do see a lot of potential there. Um, yeah. You know, and it does need to be, it does need to be um, followed pretty closely. Uh, if it ends up get becoming very exciting in terms of if we start seeing a lot of market adoption, then this is a yeah. longer thing. It's not any time in the near future, but you know, I've often mm. mentioned to the community that it would be great to see a new um, emitter for ClojureScript that emits Dart, right? Dart, yeah. Dart, Dart, Dart lets you hot mm. code reload, right? Dart lets you, in yeah. the same way that the JVM lets you reload bytecode, Dart actually does. There's no exposed bytecode, 
but Dart lets you reload Dart files and it will do the correct thing. Yeah. It will reload, instead of changing the state, it just reloads the, um, the classes and the methods, uh, which is exactly yeah. the type of reloading that you want to get a Lisp-like experience. Um, mm. So it's definitely something to follow. And um, you know, uh, if it turns out that it's a runaway hit, you know, I can imagine in four or five years <clears throat> that there is a closure script Dart, and that's an extremely popular option. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. My opinion is this: is that, you know, it, you know, it's 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 truly sad, right? JVM was supposed to be this thing. Like, if you really think about it, JVM was supposed to be this thing where you could write you could write this thing anywhere. Ah, it's just yeah, not true. Right on running. It's yeah. just not true. You, I mean, no. you know, JVM is great for server stuff. It's it. It stinks when you want to do lightweight stuff. It stinks when you want to do yeah. clients. And um, uh, if Flutter ends up being a really great universal UI lightweight thing, that would be that would be cool. Mm. That would be cool. And also, yeah. Flutter. I mean, uh, you know, nothing, nothing against the JavaScript ecosystem, but you know, something I've never liked about JavaScript. It, it's, it's just my opinion. It's like there's no taste, right? It's just like like a ubiquitous lack of taste. Yes, JavaScript is yeah. useful. It works. But, you know, it's really, as overall, my opinion is that it's like complexity gone amok. It's a necessary evil. That's what that's what JavaScript is to me. JavaScript, NPM, Node, it's a necessary evil. Uh, you, you incur yeah. a lot of complexity by adopting it, but maybe it's the only solution for you. Um, mm. Something like Dart. Honestly, at this point, seems simpler. It seems more straightforward. Um, the community is smaller. It seems more tightly controlled. Um, and there are downsides, of course, maybe for contribution and you know the sort of like you know the bazaar. Maybe there's problems with that, yeah. like the, that philosophy. But the benefit I see is that you have a simpler ecosystem and possibly a more coherent ecosystem. Um, mm. So that's what another do you think thing about to, like. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, how do you compare it to TypeScript, for example? So TypeScript is TypeScript, TypeScript, right? TypeScript did the thing that we did, which was we, was, 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 we, was, we, it's like, you know, we're okay with dealing with the, dealing with all the bad stuff, right? TypeScript doesn't do anything about the bad stuff, right? It, it, it throws mm. up its hand and says, we're going to add types. That'll solve all your problems. And it, do it doesn't solve all <laughs> your problems, right? You still have all the other problems you had before. Um, yeah. so, uh, you know, um, you know, again, like the fact that, you know, that really, really the, the other reason why I think Dart is pretty cool is because in the end, um, I think Lars Bach, the, the, the lead architect of that project, the language designer, mm. you know, he, he worked on the mm. JVM and he was a small talker, right? He, he, his, his, his heritage is in small talk and by association, effectively a Lisp, that's a Lisp like viewpoint, right? That, um, Types are great; they can be useful, but you should never give up dynamism. Um, Dart mm. VM is clearly a language design, uh, a, a VM that's targeted around the idea of dynamism. Why? Why else would they have hot code reloading? Right. The only point of having hot yeah. code reloading is to have um, a system that's dynamic; it's alive. Right. That's that's why they did it that way. And I think that Dart has its head you know, in the right place. And I think that Lars, I mean, there are things that I don't like about Dart, like, but it doesn't matter, right? This is the, that's the beautiful thing about Clojure. If it's a good platform, we don't really care that much about 
linguistic choices because that's not what we're going to be using anyway. If the tooling is simple, mm -hmm. if the runtime is simple, um, then maybe it's a good target. I'm not saying it is yet because I, again, I haven't spent a lot of time with Dart. I can't, I can't really say that with you know any confidence yet. Yeah. But there are lots of things that I like about it. And again, to uh, Vijay's point is that like, wow, the Flutter thing is actually pretty compelling. It's pretty compelling because I mean, Flutter gives you this React Native style development. It gives you it gives you that style yeah. of functional style components, um, and um, you know, it, it, it appears to give you a much simpler sort of build system. So definitely something yeah, to look I think at. And also, I think in terms of the, because I, I was thinking to build something and then I thought, okay, obviously iOS being 20, 30% of the market and then 80% of the market is Android. And, and I dabbled with Flutter when they released, I think the first version at some point. Um, I was thinking, okay, maybe I should lean towards Flutter because the, the whole experience, as you said, is, is really good. I mean, just download the the IDE and then the reloading and the emulators and everything is is much more coherent, you know, compared to React Native stuff. Or I think back in the day, the Apache project uh, forgot the name something um, to 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 do the cross platform thing. But for me, I think there is also the 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 risk of um, um, especially iOS being, you know, they they control the, the the walled garden of iOS is controlled by Swift and everything. And for me, I, I always have this fear of Oh, if I invest a lot in Flutter, then if the shit breaks on iOS for some reason, Apple, you know, pulling the carpet under yeah, your yeah. under your under your feet, they would never do that. Fucked. Come on, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> that's you know, I'm skeptical, but you know, again, I think that's why you know, even even if we did do a thing with Dart, it would always be an option anyway, because yeah, JavaScript's not going to go anywhere, um, and I definitely mm -hmm. think that the effort to run on Dart, um probably wouldn't you know that sounds like a couple of months of work that's what i'm saying like you really it's yeah. just yeah, yeah. instead of generating javascript you're going to generate um dart and there's you know it's gonna you, there's a lot of stuff to remove because we definitely have a lot of things around javascript yeah but but if you really mm -hmm. but really to 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 closure scripts credit i mean um closure script has a very large integration with google closure but for example, yeah. if you look at something like Shadow, Shadow doesn't use Shadow uses only the analyzer and the compiler. It uses not it uses none of mm. our build stuff, and that's actually shows that you know it's not ClojureScript is code base is not perfect, but there is I believe enough separation uh, in ClojureScript yeah. itself already to to decouple these things so that um, targeting Dart should be reasonably feasible without. Mm -hmm. Too much pain, actually. And if and and if if somebody started on that, um, you know, it would also be good because it would it would allow us to um, make that a bit more clean, so that the next person that wants to come along mm -hmm. and do it has a much easier time, right? So there's other benefits as well. So I think I think that 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 would that would be super fun as well because you know using uh, closure, uh, of course, React Native has as you said a lot of closure closure script compatibility or you know you can just write uh, i remember i think kevin uh, was one of the first persons who was building closure script mobile applications uh, now now the story is much more i think easier to build closure script driven mobile apps and as you guys are building already and i think if we can target to other platforms like dart i think uh, then using flutter plus closure script would be would be an amazing experience right 
Yeah, yeah. I'm again. It's it's mm. it's it's definitely a cool idea. Uh, my my hope is that somebody else works on it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, like, this, I think this is a, this I is think... trying to tell people that hey, you know, <laughs> try try it out. It's awesome. No, try it out. But and I think also, isn't it like also, a... yeah? Go on, David. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, go right. Go ahead. No, no, go on, please. No, no just. I was that, just going to um... say it's a bit. It's a okay. <laughs> <laughs> go, go, on, ahead, go, on. go ahead. Okay, now no, 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 we're on a no, deadlock. No, please, 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 please. <laughs> All I was going to say was that I'd, I'd happy to, I'd ha- be happy to see that be an open source effort, and I'd be happy to make changes to make sure that ClojureScript is well separated enough for that to work. Go ahead, Ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that because. Uh, all these kind of other targets are, are definitely very tempting these days, you know, um, because the other one that's coming up uh, that we've talked about before is WebAssembly. Um, yeah. You know, that, that could be an interesting target as well, given the fact that it's, you know, relatively small in terms of scope. Um, it's not ready yet by the looks of things, I know, but it's, but it's, getting, it's getting cooked, you know. It's it's coming in the browsers, and um, you know the GC is getting there, and other bits and pieces. What what do you think about that uh, potential as a as a target for ClojureScript? I mean, I think to be honest, I think the thing about that is that um, I mean, I think the first step would be, I mean, a, I mean, I what I would like to see actually, and if I if I was going to do it, my opinion is that what we want is a a dialect of ClojureScript that's specifically for WebAssembly. It's not actually like hmm. ClojureScript. It's actually a dialect for writing right. WebAssembly directly. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I actually like if you think about it, um, that's actually kind of what you would want to write because you want to write some high performance code, and you would like to write in something that basically um, is a DSL for WASM. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you have the mm-hmm. basic semantics. It's not. Low level like WASM, WASM super low level, but it's a higher yeah. level dialect of WASM that looks almost like ClojureScript. So you can write high performance modules in ClojureScript. Mm-hmm. That's that I think would be pretty interesting. Um, uh, otherwise, I don't see, you know, I uh, besides that, I don't see much else that we would want to do, um, mm. you know, until, until. The performance is better on a wider variety of targets. Like people have always said, mm. compile the WASM, but there's just a lot of trade-offs there, um, and that would really be for a very specific audience. Mm. Yeah. So the the one the one last one that um, that I know that I think you're friends with Ramsey and uh, and and Cole who are doing the um, the the games. Yeah, Arcadia. Um, yeah, Tim's. Arcadia, yeah. yeah, yeah, and they're uh, friends of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, with Tim and over, stuff like over that, the four yeah. years, we have built so many relationships <laughs> with everyone. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Anyway, yeah. So yeah, I think they're looking at like they're generating the C sharp stuff, and you know that seems like an interesting space as well. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, I think I, I mean, I think the Arcadia stuff's been really cool. I mean, I feel like they've they've gone a lot farther with the C sharp stuff um, than anybody mm-hmm. else, and that's also another possibility. I mean, you know, we'll see. I definitely think that you know it's something that you know since C sharp is now cross platform and there's an it's an officially cross platform that that's also something to consider. Um, I mean, in the end, it's it's like I say, like. There are lots of fun hack projects to hack on. 
Right, yes. There are a lot of fun projects to hack on, but I think a lot of what I would like to see really is, you know, going back because the Dart is a really concrete example, is just that is there a demand from the existing user base, right? Um, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What's yeah, the demand? Yeah. Uh the only the only the only the only time the only time we would take something on, to be honest, is that if we if if in four years or five years from now we're like, we just think Dart is a superior. It's superior. And you make you just mm-hmm. we're making a bet. It's like when when Rich Hickey said yeah. JVM is a better target for what we want for the what we want to do and how we want to do it. And it may be in four or yeah. five years, we're just like Actually, we're just tired. We're just collectively tired of of <laughs> there only being JavaScript when and we believe that we could do everything we're doing currently and it could be way simpler. We we're gonna officially support Dart because and I'm not saying we're gonna do mm-hmm. that, but I'm saying those are the reasons why no. we would do it. Those are the reasons why we do yeah. it. Because we yeah. as a community believe, or I believe as the maintainer, that there's a huge opportunity to show the world. There's a better way to do mm. the same stuff that you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you have to have a very a very big platform as well. You'd have to feel like it was really exactly. justifiable. That, that and that's mm. why there's no rush. That's why there's no rush with Dart because you ha- it mm. really has to feel like mm. that people are. In fact, there's an opportunity if you see people abandoning JavaScript because they're tired of it. Then you know it's time, right? The moment that the moment mm. that people are begin assessing other technologies because they're no longer willing to put up with the complexity, mm. Mm. Um, which is already happening, <laughs> it's, already, it's already happening. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, but but you want to see you want to you want to see more movement. You definitely want to see more movement than there mm. is right at this mm. moment. But it, it is it is still surprising how how much pain. I mean, as a community, we can tolerate. <laughs> given the amount of javascript libraries and you know trying oh, yeah. to trying to patch this patch these holes around this this whole uh, i think the whole developer experience you know as you said it's not you know it's not a uh, there is no taste you know for for the for the all the stuff that is proliferation of every problem being solved in million ways so maybe it will change i don't know um, I'm, I'm not doing much of the front end development because most of the stuff i do is in closure script so i don't touch much of the javascript at all so i was just curious with the with the io stuff and then flutter and these kind of things so uh, we talked a lot about all the uh, mobile stuff and everything but um closure script uh, at least uh, you know uh, looking back uh, shot into fame or or we we got our our big push because of the react stuff right on the mm-hmm. web so uh so how, wh- wh- where do you think the web stuff is going uh, or what what do you see for the web related technologies i mean I, I, to be honest I, I i mean actually for the web stuff i think react native Re- react native is like um what is this what they call it? it's like a it's like a local optimum right it's like a you know it's like yeah. it actually it it, the it react stuff. you know there's so many different things, and that, and it's really I, I find them largely uh, uninteresting, right? I, I feel like mm. you know when you when you have something like React React out there, unless something's truly doing something that's game changing, which I haven't seen anything yet, to be honest. Um, yeah, there's not there's not much reason for me to look elsewhere because again, React lets us write functional code, like functional UIs. That's like mm. I mean. Like 
that's like the Holy Grail. <laughs> like, like, you know, like yeah. we, we were given the Holy Grail with respect to doing UI programming. We can do functional UI programming. This is something that people have been wanting to do for years. And it was a research problem. It was a research problem. And yeah. that's not true anymore. Like we're, every ClojureScript out, programmer out there is writing functional UIs. Like it's mm. completely normal. Um, I think mm. that um, I can imagine incremental improvements uh, but it's it's hard for me to see um, it's hard for me to see right at the moment doing much better than what we've done. Also, yeah. Flutter, Swift, everybody has adopted this pattern. So clearly, this is you know that was a that was mm. the step mm. evolution, right? There was like yeah. If yeah. you really think about it, if you really think about it, there was nothing for thirty years, like not since <laughs> not since Xerox Park. No, the, 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 since Xerox yeah, Park, you had yeah. model view controller. You had model view controller since yep. 1979, 2015, yeah. 35 years yep. later, you had functional views. So it took 35 yep. years to make one step. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> I, there's, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say, I don't think you're going to see anything interesting for quite some time. Yeah, so I think I will retire with this uh, with this paradigm. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Before we so, go on, but that, don't you think like because React themselves have been maybe is it again more local Maxima stuff, but they've been changing some of their framework quite heavily with um, you know with hooks and stuff like this. Do you think that's just kind of like syntax sugar, or do you think it's deeper, David? Uh I mean, the, that stuff, the the hooks, honestly, the hooks thing was something that we asked for when React first came out. I was like, oh, man, we have mm. to do all this object-oriented bridging. I mean, it's trivial mm. for the the for the library, the ClojureScript binding to hide the details of that. Um, mm. But all hooks let you do, hooks let you write without writing objects, right? In some sense, it was how we mm. wanted mm. to interact mm. with React. Now it's officially supported. so. It's, it was really mm. something that we wanted, but now we have it. Yeah. So I, it, I, I, I only see it as a plus. It was, it, it simply simplifies integration. There's actually a few, I think, open source libraries that are now even thinner wrappers around React that simply let you write ClojureScript with hooks. Right, yeah. right, yeah. So it's, it's all good. I mean, that stuff's great. I mean, but I, but again, it's. It, you know, because it's it, it it's for simply removing one layer of that we had to do. It's not a it's mm. not a it's not a dramatic change. It's just like a, yet yeah, an incremental improvement. I think maybe that's the other thing that you're doing with like these tools is having a very kind of like largely unopinionated view on the higher level concepts. Yeah, for sure. Like you're talking about like Krell and stuff. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just you know. Um, I think, I think now after like, yeah, it's been five years, five years of react, um, hmm. five, five years, well, maybe longer, six years. Yeah. yeah six, maybe even, six, yeah. no, six and a half. Yeah. Okay. Um, something like that. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, now, now I feel like, you know, um, I feel like I, I observed what was going on and, and I, and I'm take, taking the stance that we, we should do less. I mean, this, this goes hmm. back to bundle, right? Bundle says, we don't know yeah. what people are going to do. Let's generate something that works for everybody. Krell says, I don't know what you're going to want to do with React Native. We're going to make various small number of decisions. Um, mm. 
mm-hmm. and make it easy to make downstream decisions. You know, so yeah, mm-hmm. um, making as few choices as possible. And let the upstream kind of innovate without yeah. really getting the kind of uh, infrastructure tooling uh, sort of knotted up in it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Mm. So, in terms of the, the 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 paradigm or the design, uh, I'm not sure if we want to call it design pattern because it has a lot of connotation around it. <laughs> so, the way we design web applications in the functional UI. So, other than that, I think uh, the rest of the stuff is just how the 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 language uh, evolution right for for example if, if you take reason ml uh, so how, how do you see that uh, compared to dart or compared to closure script i mean reason ml doesn't seem like it does anything important other than the type stuff i mean if you're into hmm. types then it does the type stuff um yeah. i mean that's 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 also why I, I i find i find you know it's like this thing it's like the most important innovations for actually making the software, it's not the types anyway, right? React, React is an untyped thing, right? That, like, it, like I mean, yeah. like you don't need types to invent a, a UI paradigm. You know, it's great. Yeah. If you like types, it's great. You want, you want, you want the checking and all that stuff to happen. But in the end, mm. I mean, real, real, in my opinion, real innovation, it does not matter if it's typed or untyped, right? React could have been created yeah. by... Uh, could have been made in a typed language, and you would have instantly yeah. said, "Wow, that's amazing! You can make that work mm-hmm. in any language." Sure, you have types, but the but the critical part of the thing it does not matter because it, that part does not the types don't matter with that part, right? So, yeah. but reason reason ML. I'm not saying anything bad about reason ML. I just think that reason ML is really cool. But it's if you like OCaml, if you want to if you want an updated, yeah, you know, cool looking OCaml, great. Um, I don't see it contributing anything meaningful other than being like an updated OCaml. If that meaningful in that, if that's your cup of tea, cool. Yeah, I think that the the as you said, it makes sense that the the idea is now implemented in different flavors or in different languages. So whatever yeah. the language that you use, you're still following the same uh, the new evolutionary idea that. Use this functional function functional UI, whether you use Swift, whether you use Dart, whether you use Closure Script or or or, or Reason ML. Exactly. Yeah, that, I think. Yeah, yeah. So um, coming back to the the one of the you know the the biggest project that you're working on. Uh, so Closure Script, uh, you were saying that you know the the open source maintainer's dream or open source creator's dream is that you want to move to a done quote unquote done level and then mm-hmm. keep maintaining it. So. What do you see for closure script? I mean, wh- where are we at? And then, uh, are, are there any plans that you have? A uh, bit of a vision. Uh, well, closure script? So, I mean, I think a. I mean, you know, when I say done, I mean libraries, tool, tool, tools yeah, that exactly. are clearly <laughs> finite. I mean, language projects yeah. really have, you know, they have they have the uh, the raw end of the deal with respect to maintaining maintenance because, I mean, mm. there's always going to be like, you know, there may be ecosystem things we need to address or closure adds a new feature and we need to add it or, you know, oh man, there's so many, there's always tons of bugs, right? I mean, you know, it's like, fortunately, there's not so many major bugs, but I think we have hundreds, we have hundreds of minor bugs, like in for closure scripting, hundreds Mm -hmm. of minor bugs, which I just don't have time to look at. Um, So there's always going to be stuff to do. I mean, if I was only fixing minor bugs, I'd be busy for probably two years, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah. So I don't think, I think it's hard to achieve the done state with a language project. 
Um, but I'm, I'm feeling, to be honest, I'm feeling pretty good about Bundle. I think Bundle at, answers one of the biggest questions that I had. You know, I mean, I've had that problem mm. and that question floating on my mind for at least four or five years. Um, yeah. Uh, there's another thing that we want to work on, um, which is smaller, but I think will also help um, around how we require libraries. Because right now it's a bit annoying um, with third part with third party stuff specifically with like stuff mm. from node modules or global libraries, importing that stuff into ClojureScript, you can't really do it. So uh, I want to solve that problem. Um, mm. But otherwise, I, I don't see much, you know, other than fixing bugs, performance, um, cleaning up the APIs. I mean, there's like boring stuff, like things like I am like, uh, there is a part of ClojureScript that's crufty, like meaning it for downstream users, for the typical user, they wouldn't care. Yeah. But Shadow did this cool thing, which is the Shadow has a very functional build pipeline, right? You can take, Hmm. any compilation unit and it has a true data oriented pipeline um each step of the compiler produces data which can be passed on to hmm. the next step in the pipeline for various reasons the, all of them historical um closure script it's it's not very disciplined the build pipeline is not disciplined there are many different points where you write to disk um and what it means is that um the the build stuff in ClojureScript is so unfunctional, you can't use it as a library. It's almost impossible to mm. use as a library, meaning it's very difficult for um, somebody who is a ClojureScript expert that wants to do things in a slightly different way at the build step of their project to do anything yeah. custom uh, because you have, to know, mm. you have to know too much about what happens when. And that's... Mm. and and. That's not just a problem for would-be tooling developers. It's a problem for me because I forget how the thing works. <laughs> <laughs> I can never remember how it works. I can. It's impossible. Hmm. Um, so uh, that's not really like, again, that's not so much user-facing as tooling developer-facing and internal yeah. maintenance, simplifying hmm. our internal hmm. maintenance. I would like to redo the build pipeline to adopt the shadow functional build pipeline. So we wouldn't just copy mm. what they have, but we would say that's a solid idea. Um, yeah. uh, ClojureScript should only have data and writing to disk should only be a final side effect. Mm. But that's that's a big project, actually. That's a big project. That's, that requires changing a lot of code. Yeah, totally. And also, it's also a trade-off, right? I mean, how much benefit that it is going to give and, and the impact of it? Because if most of the people who are using ClojureScript don't need to plug into this thing or understand this stuff, then... Yeah, but if it helps him, though, VJ, it's quite a good yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> That's true, so, that's true. So, so that, that, that's really, in some sense, it, it, that's the problem with this project. That's why it's been delayed for so long, even though I've been thinking about it for, again, four or five years. It has no yeah. immediate impact. Um, but but as, as Ray says, eventually, the burden of maintenance, it's like, yeah, it's, it's preventing me from working on the thing. So... Um, yeah. it has to be addressed at some point. In fact, it's probably that if mm. anything was going to get worked on that was major, that would probably be the biggest project within the next year or two, uh, because that yeah. would, again, that would ease our own maintenance burden. If I say that um, most of the ClojureScript work is around tooling or 
the the compiler level work um, because given the nature that it is a Lisp, so the, the, there won't be much of the language level changes, right? Because that needs to closely follow closure. Is is that a correct yeah. assumption? Yeah. No. 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 There, there, again, there's one thing, there's one thing that we're going to do, but that's around, again, around the NS form. Um, and I can explain mm -hmm. that really quick. Um, sure. Oh, no, just take, take your time. <laughs> no, 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 it's really quick. So, no, it's a, no it's a quick explanation. Yeah. So in Java, in Java, because you have packages, you, you're, you're, the language, even at the VM level, there's a sort of disciplined notion of importing because that's enforced yeah. at the notion of Java packages in the class path. But yeah. that's not how JavaScript works. That's just not how JavaScript works. JavaScript, uh, Node.js stuff, it's all relative paths. And then mm. even more in, more, in a more troublesome way, there is no specific way to describe the structure of your library, right? Um, there really isn't, right? So um, there are many things inside of a library, in a JavaScript library, that, that may in fact be a nested library. Right, right. There's no way to know is that a JavaScript object or is it a nested library. Yeah. There's no way to know. There's no way to know that. Mm. Right. And in fact, uh, it's quite common that I'm I want to use something from a JavaScript library, but that library is actually a nested library, a nested series of namespaces. But I can't yeah. get at the inner namespace and use that as my the library that's under consideration. I can't require the nested thing. So mm. um, I had a big conversation around the last release saying, I want to fix this. And we got an amazing, we got amazing feedback. Thomas Heller gave some really good feedback. A lot of the ClojureScript mm. users gave a lot of good feedback. So we're, we're going to have a syntax for reaching into any library and saying, I want to use this part of the object that's the library. I want to use a sub object mm. as the library. And that's actually really okay. cool. Because now it does not matter um, how nested the thing I'm importing is, I can always treat some sub property of the nested object as the library that I care about. Um, yeah. Because there was previously there was no way to do this. Um, you could you could use property access, but now you no longer can use NS name stuff. You can't use refer. You can't use rename. You can't use old, you know. There's all these things you can't use if you can't use the NS form. You have to you know bring them into defs and it's very ugly, right? Because that's, what's the point of doing that? The whole point of having the NS form is to have structure around the usage of the library. Mm -hmm. So yeah. this feature would allow you to, to add structure to things we couldn't add structure to before. The mm -hmm. other thing that's related is that you can now require global libraries. So currently when you have a global, you have to say JS slash and your, your, your code is littered with JS slash this, yeah. JS slash that, yeah, and it's yeah. ugly, right? It's so ugly. Yeah. So now we would be able to say there is a property, a global property, and you want to treat that as a lib. And you can use mm. refer, rename, all that stuff as well. So so we so we would be able to lift almost every almost every pattern that, that yeah. people are using either uh, intermediate definitions or they're using globals those can all be moved into the NS form. So that's it's actually okay. not going to be a lot of work. And it's a huge, to be honest, I think it's a huge feature. It's been something we should mm. be like, now that I'm like, now that I see the light, I'm like, oh man, we should have had that like five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but that's, that, that's a, that's an, that's an easy one. That's coming. That's coming. 
but syntactically it's not going to deviate from closure and as no, far right no, no, as no. macroids it's going to be pretty much the same except that it's going to be the word, same syntactically can, it's going yeah, to be yeah. the same but um we'll have a, it's basically requires a little bit of special handling which closure doesn't have but it won't look any different yeah it won't look any different okay no, well, that's the win, though, isn't it? That that is the huge yeah. win is that you can yeah, yeah, yeah. you can al align everything more closely. Yeah, it, it, for me, it's been like this thing. It's been a sore thumb. The fact that we we don't have a way to avoid these strange, these unidiomatic things because it's Closure Script. So with this change, mm. a lot more code can look just like Closure. A lot more code. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. So. Um... Any other long-term plans for Closure Script? No, no, I really can't. I really can't think of anything. I mean, I'm glad you brought <laughs> the Dart stuff because I actually it was funny. That's like totally like it must be in the air because I really was looking that at the other day. I was like, oh man, Dart looks pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it looks simple. Yeah, I mean, that was it, why. it is. Because like, I've been doing that, all this true. React Native stuff, but um, <laughs> but but it's not time. I don't think it's time yet. Uh, but other than that, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, I mean, to be honest, I'm actually really excited. I mean, I mean, I'm really excited about. Closure script. I mean, at, at Vouch, it's been so. I mean, it's really, it's really sort of rewarding to be able to use uh, Closure Script every day for all these yeah. problems. I mean, we're, we're literally using Closure Script for like so many things. It's it's kind of astounding how many things we use it for. And um, I mean, it's a good thing, right? Because now now you're on, you know, as they say, you know, you're drinking your own wine. Or yeah, exactly. I don't want to use the dog food <laughs> metaphor. It was like shitty. Eating, <laughs> it's a or, shitty or, metaphor. But. Or, or eat, drink, eating your own dog food. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's a shitty metaphor. So I was thinking, oh, okay, you know, you're you're brewing your own beer and then drinking yeah, it. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. much much better. So I think it's good that you're going through quote unquote pain. So you're you're, <laughs> you're fixing that for the for the wider community. So that, that a, that's a good thing, I think. It's a service we bring as vouch. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're all uh, vouching for it. Yeah, probably probably the only other thing is performance. Like you know, every now and then we do performance mm. spikes. Like it's nicer when. Actually, there is another thing which is like better caching. Like right now, um, caching could be a lot better. Like builds, we could do a like mm. builds could be faster in that if you've built something once, uh, we should never we should never recompile it. Um, yeah, yeah. So currently, if if your build gets corrupted, everybody blows away the target directory, and then we do everything from scratch. <laughs> But that's it's actually that's actually silly. Like, why should we why should yeah. we recompile things just because you erased the target directory? So we're there's mm. another project which is an easy project too, which will be the local cache. There'll be a project local cache, mm. which is not the target directory. So when you Ooh, when you okay. when you blow away target, we're like, who cares? We're not going to recompile that stuff. We're just going to move it over from the cache. So I have a feeling that the performance work that, that you and Mike especially have been doing is actually something which Clojure can benefit from. Um, you know, the class path stuff and the caching stuff. It seems to me like it, I know there's, there's definitely, you know, innovation coming from Clojure, but um, it seems like there's quite a lot of innovation going on in Clojure script as well, you know? It's true. I mean, some, I mean, another, to your point though, I think another thing that would be interesting would be, um, I mean, a cool way to try that is, to be honest, is that somebody should experiment with a tool that just integrates with depths or is a new command that just, it's just a wrapper around depths that says, mm -hmm. what we're going to do is we're going to compile your dependencies for you behind the scenes and cache mm -hmm. them, you know? Um, yeah. I agree. I mean, a lot of the complaints about startup time are just 
recompiling. I mean, a lot of like, yeah. so, so a lot, a lot of people don't know, like closure script is distributed as an AOT artifact, which is slightly annoying sometimes because of transit, because transit's in there, mm. but it normally doesn't matter because everybody keeps transit up to date. So it's not a big deal. Mm. But the reason I did this is because at least on my old, my old iMac, which was a 3.4 gigahertz iMac, compiling closure script every time took eight seconds. That's right. Every, every command that triggered wow. the ClojureScript compiler would lose eight seconds just compiling ClojureScript. Uh, AOT ClojureScript loads in one second. So it's eight, it's eight times mm. faster to load ClojureScript AOT, right? Eight times faster. So mm. that, that really means that for large closure projects, you're really, you're really getting burned if you're, if you're loading, yeah. if you're recompiling all your dependencies. It's really mm. a, a massive waste of time. Um, mm. yeah, it would be great to see people adopt closure script strategy of compiling that stuff, caching it and, and just loading that stuff. Yeah, incremental. Yeah. Increment. Yeah. I think it's a, a fairly interesting way to do it. I mean, you have, you do have to be smart with the cache. Like we use version numbers and there's all this stuff that <clears throat> we do to make sure that you're going to get the right thing. Um, mm. but I agree. I agree that, 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 that's a, a right area for people's um experience day-to-day experience to be more responsive yeah because i mean it seems like you know like the lesson of immutable data structures is uh, you know this like lesson that actually having things change looks like it should cost a lot but in the end doesn't cost a lot and uh it feels like (laughs) there are some lessons to be learned you know like dog fooding like you were saying bj you know in the kind of uh, tooling space. Drinking your own wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, whining. Yeah, you were whining? No. <laughs> but I really like yeah. the stuff that, like, uh, the people, like, M- Mikhail Borkent is doing in the Graal VM, you know? Because mm. that, that's showing a lot, of, um, a lot of potential there for super fast startup time, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think there's... I mean, that's, that's in some sense, that ball is in the, in the, in the closure side of the court, you know, um, but I, I I definitely know that Alex is aware. I, I think he knows this, this is like, this is one, I think this comes up in the surveys. I mean, I think this is one of the biggest complaints is, you know, that's not like error messages, right? It's like, we would like our process to start up faster, you know? And I think that, Mm. um, I suspect that this will get worked on. Alex is very aware. Hmm. But at the same time, to your point, you know, as you know, I constantly try to convince people to solve their own problem. Like, right? It's just like, man, you could just build a tool. <laughs> you could just build a wrapper around CLJ. I bet that does this thing, and you can at least vet what are the problems one would hmm. encounter, um, and how hmm. does it really does it does it really feel better day to day? Are there other problems we need to solve? Hmm. You know. Hmm. Yeah, well, I think that's what Mikhail Bokent has done with uh, this small closure interpreter. Yeah, definitely. You know? definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's really amazing. But what I was going to say was actually the other thing was this, because uh, I mentioned it, that kind of came up into my head, which was the Graal VM, um, because that's obviously got a JavaScript engine as well. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, Graal.js, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of like, in theory, you know this notion of going back to like the the painful times of uh, dynamic reloading. Uh, what was this technology called? Uh, Jitterbug. 
No, well, there, there was a sort of standard around it that, um, yeah, yeah. Um, oh my god, in Java, it was like a Java thing, yeah, like a JVM thing. There was a there was a JVM thing, and there was a bunch of like like ISO standards. It's for Internet of Things actually, where you could have reloadable code. Um, okay. Oh man, it's like ODMI or something. I can't remember the name of the damn thing now. Oh yeah, maybe, um, maybe. So that was this is the wrong acronym, but it's something along those lines where you could just re- no, you oh, could OSGI, 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 Equinox and Some, Eclipse and then blah, OSGI. Blah, blah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> you worked it out. Well, yeah. you, you you got two characters right. Not bad, not bad. <laughs> You're halfway there. <laughs> Bit of fuzzy logic with some smart yeah. people. We got Almost it there. there. <laughs> you only lost half of uh, half of the characters. So not bad. Yeah. So okay. So because that that's an interesting technology, you know, where you can just drop a new version of something in and bam, it picks yeah. it up. Because that yeah. you know, it got way too complicated. But the, the oh yeah, it did. Stuff, yeah, I mean ridiculous. But the grass stuff Fucking looks hell. looks uh, looks like that's got some legs as well. You know. No, mm. I do, and they and they've accomplished something that. To be honest, many efforts have never achieved. Rhino, Rhino couldn't do yeah. it. Nashorn mm. really couldn't do it. Yeah. But Grawl, yeah. Grawl has shown that much better than Nashorn that they were able to really narrow the gap between um, their implementation and Node. It's definitely for peak for performance. Mm. And I know mm. that they're constantly working on this startup time problem. So we'll see where that goes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, no, so I think it's all is the charm. Yeah, it's very, it's very cool. <laughs> it's very interesting. Okay, so um, I think wow. One and a half hour almost. We are we are reaching another record. <laughs> you said you could I, talk for uh, an hour, David, and you've broken your own record there. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, how is this? I know, you know, David. You, you, I think last time you were you were on the podcast. I mean, it, it seems like ages ago, and and uh, at that time you were also doing some music with with your band, right? Is it still? continuing or are you doing something well, in well, music side I'm as well? Not, I'm, not, I'm not in New York right now. It's like there's not that much going on at the moment because um, yeah, doing stuff online it's, it, you know, it's like your internet connection has to be good and all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, I, I, I'm still doing stuff and my, my collaborators mm. still doing stuff, but we're not, there's not much collaboration happening at the moment. But no, we're, but, as, yeah. but in terms of being active, yeah, we're active. Like, yeah, we, we, I don't know, like six months ago, we, we got a studio and stuff and we moved all our gear in there. And so, yeah, there's, there's stuff that's happening. Hopefully, um, you know, it's going to be, I think for musicians, it's going to be a pretty slow year, right? The next 12 mm-hmm. months, it's going to be slow. Yeah. I just don't see yeah. venues and all this, all, all the other things that you need for live music coming yeah. back for some time. So, you know, it's, it means that, you know, get in the studio, do a lot of recording, you know, mm. do some live streams. <laughs> I mean, that's probably what we'll end yeah. up doing. We'll record a lot. We'll do some live streams. Um, but it's mm. good. It, it's a chance to hunker down and write. It's just, you know, you got to, you got to yeah. make do with what you got. Cool. So uh, I think uh, we can uh, take a, uh, I think we can close on that musical note <laughs> for our- <laughs> For now, uh, it's really, really uh, nice to have you back on uh, on the show, David. I mean, it's always a pleasure, and and uh, you know, it's good that you're you're staying safe and everybody is is uh, doing good. Good to know that as well. And thanks a lot for sharing your 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 uh, ideas and also 
all the contribution that you're doing. Um, so the the GitHub sponsor thing is it just uh, going to your uh, user account on GitHub, right? And then click the sponsor it's, button. It just goes to my my GitHub account, and also uh, to be clear, right? The other person you should contribute to is Mike Fikes, right? So um, yeah, you know I do yeah. I do you know what I do is I generally do like yes this patch, no not this patch. Somebody wants to talk about it, we'll talk about it. I've also, mm-hmm. I've also for people that are listening to this podcast, if you're a user of ClojureScript and you have a question or you have a bug, use askclosure.org. I believe that it's askclosure.org. That's, that's the new Stack Overflow style official website that's maintained by mm-hmm. Alex Miller from Cognitech. Yeah. So yeah. bugs and feature requests, um, suggestions, all that stuff should go there. I have, an R- I have my RSS feeder reader hooked up to that mm. every question that comes in now i'm looking at that uh so i do that stuff i i i try to i basically i'm constantly doing community wrangling and you know working mm. on new features and looking at you know looking at the survey figuring out where work needs to go uh, managing releases and all yeah. that stuff mm. but mike mm. fikes does a lot so the thing is that that's that's that what i just described is a massive you know, demand on my time so that means i don't have mm. that much time to like Look at Jira. Make sure the patch passed all the tests. That that CI is working. Mm-hmm. That the the mate we have a matrix of open source projects that reruns every time we we push to GitHub. There's all this other stuff yeah. that needs to be done. Um, uh, testing tickets. There's you know, Mike does a lot of that stuff. There's all this secondary stuff that I just don't have time for that Mike does. So it's really both of us mm-hmm. that really keep. The lights on around the closure script project and that's not that's of course yeah. not to say you know to downplay patches that come in patches do come in for contributors yeah, yeah. but in the end they have funnel through mike and then they get to me and then we have to manage that process uh once the patch mm-hmm. gets there this there's, there's all the long tail of work that has to happen uh for each yeah. small contribution that comes in so um mm-hmm. if you're going to contribute i would say Contribute something to me that that you believe is reasonable for whatever, you know, thing you whatever you represent a company an individual, and do the same thing for Mike. Uh, it's really yeah. both of us that 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 keep the project alive. Um, again, as as the sort of the process side of things, um, I'd also like to you know I'm not sure when, but of course um, as things go move along, you know, it'd be nice to investigate some way. To give back to individual contributors uh, would be another mm. one thing for us to look at. Like maybe there's a pool we make a thing just around closure script, and that pool is only for people who are contributing patches. Um, yeah. My concern about that is that you know that's probably with given the amount of contribution that happens, which is not small. Um, maybe that'll yeah. end up being like you know, not not that much to go around. Uh, the other thing that I'd really like mm. to see is I'd really like to see uh, the closure script community in general. Uh, hopefully, ClojureScript can be a model, right? Um, yeah. That you know, I mean, one way is to like, yeah, we're 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 making millions of dollars with ClojureScript. We'll we'll give David and Mike two hundred dollars <laughs> each. Okay, that's cool. But actually, I think a smarter way for all open source communities. Think about it. It would be better for me if I was getting five five dollars from a thousand users of ClojureScript. Right, it's mm, better. Yeah, if yeah. I'm getting five dollars yeah. from everybody that uses ClojureScript, or every company that uses mm, ClojureScript gives me five bucks. Mm, every company that yeah. uses ClojureScript gives Mike Fikes five bucks. Every company mm. gives Bruce Hauman five bucks. Right, like to mm. me, the only sustainable model isn't like every huge company giving a couple people 
these a large lump sum, it's saying yeah. these are the tools we use. We're using FigWheel, we're using Shadow, we're using ClojureScript, mm -hmm. we're using HTTP Kit. Well, send freaking mm -hmm. five bucks to those those developers. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's like literally a coffee a month. <laughs> but if everybody yeah. does it, wow, wow, that's like great. Um yeah. so mm -hmm. in some sense, I'm I'm I think that the individual sponsor or maintainer model is great if companies and individuals distribute a small amount and everybody collectively does it, then um, yeah. sending large lump sums to particular people. Hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So go and check out uh, David's GitHub account and also Mike Fikes um, and, and the way uh, uh, you, can, you can contribute or sponsor. And um, it's it's not only to show our our uh, how grateful we are, you know, the the amount of work that you guys are putting in, but also it's it's much more as as David you said, it's much more sustainable when there is a large group of people are, are contributing. And obviously, ClojureScript has crossed that critical uh, number a long time ago in yes. terms of users. So uh, go ahead and and do that if you have not done it yet. Um, but but I, but again, I, I want I want to, I want to reiterate. I want to reiterate: yeah. if you're a closure school, closure script, or closure tool maintainer, make a sponsorship mm -hmm. account. And you know, <laughs> yeah. really, yeah. really, yeah. I think, yeah. I think, yeah. as a yeah. as a community, we could make a we could be a model. I think there are many ways in that closure and closure script is a model. I think the complexity thing, we're a model for people who are looking to reduce mm -hmm. complexity. I also think, yeah. given given that we're still a reasonable size of community, we can we can. It would be great to see. Closure and closure script community show that um, there's a better way to do open source, and it's and it's a version of open mm -hmm. source that really um, everybody gives a little bit, and then we all get something, you know. Yeah, I mean it's more sustainable instead of you know people losing the interest or or projects dying because of various mm -hmm. reasons. So, yeah. I mean people don't just do th people don't do things for the money, but it's it certainly helps, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, of course, of course. You know, especially if it's like taking time away from your family and uh, yeah. stuff like that. You know, to to give like a, a day a week or two days a week mm. or a lot more. Um, you know, this is not this is not nothing. Yeah, I think it's yeah. it's uh, not it's it's not not only is it not nothing. I just want to say, I mean, I I I follow Closurist together, and Closurist together yeah, yeah, is really yeah. great. Daniel Compton does it. Yeah, but yeah. they only they only do like three or four people, three projects, not people projects. Mm -hmm. They do three or four projects. I mean, yeah. people apply, but I looked and there's like thirty or forty projects that apply that don't get it. So mm -hmm. my my honest impression is that there are many there are many projects in the ClojureScript community that need support, mm -hmm. and um, yeah. that it's it's really not just about sending money to ClojureScript. I say if there's any tool. I I know yep. that there are other maintainers that have been working on things for years, mm. just mm. like we have, mm. that could use yeah. your support just as much as we can. Good call. Yeah, totally. Okay, so uh, I think that, I think everything that that needs to be said. I think David, uh, I just second. I think what what you said. Uh, so sorry for making. <laughs> I just made I made no, the no, podcast no, no, no. fifteen minutes longer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, we 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 don't mind. <laughs> We we, we are worried for, for you know, your we... listeners. Oh man, that David. 
I mean, they, they, they're happy that you're here. Otherwise, they would have to listen to, you know, Ray trying to remember stuff and me trying to figure out what to say. So, <laughs> OSGI, mate. Come on, we got there. <laughs> anyway, so um, thanks a lot, David, again. And, um, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, do one more episode um, with you. Uh, not with this amount of gap, like two years or something, <laughs> but pretty soon again. Cool. Uh, so stay safe. And uh, that's it from us for uh, this episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Defan. And the awesome vegetarian music or the track is Melon Hamburger by Pizzeri. And the show's audio is mixed by Walter Dullert. I'm pretty sure I butchered his name. Um, maybe you should insert your own name here, Dullert. Uta. If you'd like to support us, uh, please do check out our Patreon page and you can show your appreciation to all the hard work or the lack of hard work that we're doing. And um, you can also catch up with uh, either Ray with me for some unexplainable reason. Uh, you want to interact with us, then uh, do check us out on Slack, Closure and Slack or Closureverse or on Zulip or just at us at Defend Podcast on Twitter. Enjoy your day and see you in the next episode.